All right. Well, let's pray over the offering, then we'll jump into the word here. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for this church family. We thank you uh, just for your, your presence meeting us, Lord. It's such a beautiful thing, Lord. And even now, I'm, I'm a bit shaken knowing that you're, you're right here in our midst. So, Lord, help me to choose these words carefully. And I pray that your word would be spoken loudly and clearly, and every heart would be open. In fact, can you guys just put your hand on your heart? Um, Father, our heart is open to receive today. If you need to change our beliefs, Lord, if you need to change our behavior, the way we think, the way we live or act, Lord, we want to say we're open. Or we've not encountered a church service unless we've been a little bit challenged in what we're thinking or doing. So God, God, challenge us. Make us more like you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we are in a sermon series called Why? And kind of getting back to, hey, why do we do what we do? And uh, I was rereading a book called Sacred uh, and Sacrament. It's so powerful uh, a few months ago. And this was really getting me thinking, make sure we as a church understand what are some things that are so important to us. We talked about worship. Now we're going into three weeks on why. We said last week that the Bible, why we study the Bible, the Bible tells us who Jesus is as the good shepherd in John 10. How many of you were at the picnic? How many of y'all were at the picnic? We had a good time. Uh, so don't miss that next year. But we, yeah, we talked about Jesus being our good shepherd. Today, we're going to say truth. God's word brings truth to a confused world. Now, I happened to see a Babylon Bee article giving you some tips on reading the word. If you're not familiar with Babylon Bee, understand this is satire. So everybody say satire. <laughs> All right, these are not real tips. All right, so this is kind of a serious message, so I thought I'd open it up with some humor. Here we go. Eight tips to, you know, better your time in the Word. Consider getting a hip translation with cool words like yeesh, all the middle schoolers. Come on, say it back with me, yeesh. All right. Get an audio Bible read by William Shatner. <laughs> in the beginning. No. Make sure to set aside at least seven seconds to read the Bible. It's important to dedicate just a few seconds before you spend the rest of your day on social media. Spend most of your devotional time getting a good picture of your Bible next to a cup of coffee for your Instagram. <laughs> oh, a couple of you ladies out there, I will not point at you right now. I'm just kidding. Look for creative ways to take verses out of context and make them all about you. Get creative. If you see a verse that's about ancient Israel, think, how can I make this about me? When your kids interrupt your Bible time, shout out, not today, Satan. Underline a book. <laughs> underline the entire book so no verse is left out. The more underlining you do, the more spiritual you are. Whenever you read a really convicting verse, make sure to apply it to someone else. For example, you feel a bit convicted? Just think about Becky from Bible study and how she needs to change her life, not you. All right. That is not good advice, but I thought y'all would enjoy that. All right. When we study God's word, what do we find? Right? We find truth for a confused world. We're going to talk about why the world and some signs of the confusion in our world. But I want to start out with this. When we study God's word, we see Jesus Christ, God's son, is the center of the Bible. The narrative of the Bible is the story of Jesus. It's the story of the gospel. Now, we might guess after reading the Bible that man keeps sinning and man keeps messing things up. And so you might think, 
if I was God, I would just get rid of man. I mean, man, it's the problem, but you have to realize that's not God's nature. And God's great nature and love for man, love for me and you, he redeems us. And get this, he even partners with us to redeem creation. So we're going to come back to that throughout the sermon. Why is it important that you understand this? It's important for you to know that the story of the Bible is the story of Jesus. It's the story of redemption. That's why our slogan, our vision at Rock of Grace is we're leading people to follow Jesus together, right? The only hope for a confused and hurting world is the truth of God's word. Um, I haven't mentioned it maybe only twice um, since writing this book called Truth and Love, but it's available Amazon or whatever. All the proceeds uh, go to uh, missions, but it's available Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and all that. And it talks extensively about the objectivity of truth, and that truth is not subject to your feelings. It's not subject, you know, to the weather. But the truth is always the truth. And the truth is revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. Some of my favorite verses, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but some of my favorite verses are 1 John 1, Colossians 1, John 1. Uh, These verses talk about the revelation of Jesus being the visible image of the invisible God and that he reveals truth to you. How many realize that in in a day like today, in 2021, We need truth, right? Because there's a lot of confusion. When we study God's word, we find again that God's story is always redemptive, that he gives the truth. And like, let's say in the case of Judges, I was rereading the book of Judges this last week. And I was shocked again to see the cycle of sin, but I'd like to, you know, at first I wrote down the cycle of sin. I want to reword that, the cycle of redemption, right? How many of you ever read the book of Judges and thought this? They would be blessed by God, right? Because God just rescued them. After a time of blessing, they would forget that it was God who rescued them and provided for them. They would begin to sin and compromise and ignore God's ways. God would send a messenger to warn them of God's laws and to worship him and not the surrounding nations. They would then be blessed by God. After a time of blessing, they would forget that it was God who blessed them and the cycle would repeat. How many of you guys have ever seen that in scripture, right? People did what was right in their own eyes, judges said. We're going to come back to that next week. But this is what happens in a culture that crumbles when it has no moral compass. It does what's right in its own eyes. I mean, think about it. If I were to tell you it's right in my eyes to club you with a bat and take all your stuff, you might say, well, you can't do that. That's wrong. How many say that's wrong? Some of you are like, actually, that's a bit violent, you know. Um, I might say to you, well, why is it wrong? It will just is. Well, why is it? Then you would have to admit that there is wrong and there is right. And if there's wrong and right, then there's evil and there's good. And if there's evil and good, then there's God and God's enemy, Satan. Right? At some point, we have to say, well, then what's the moral compass? This is why there's a statue of Moses still in Congress to this day, because our laws in the United States is based on Judeo-Christian values. There's a moral compass, right? 
There's a code of ethics given to us in the Bible. Of course, Jesus comes and he reveals an even stronger code, right? In the Sermon on the Mount, he says, hey, you've been told if you, if you uh, sleep, uh, adultery, if you sleep with another woman or another uh, man outside of marriage, right? Um, but I would say if you lust, you've already committed adultery. If you have anger in your heart, you've already killed. And so when society doesn't have a moral standard, it crumbles, And that is what is happening in America and all over the world. How many of you guys have seen a society crumbling? I mean, has anybody watched any TV or news in the last year and a half, right? We see the anger. We see the violence. We see the riots. We see uh, just the hatred. We see the shame throwing. We see the, uh, the accusations of, hey, I'm going to go back 10 years to look for something stupid you said when you were 16 and cancel you for the rest of your life. We see this idea of I'm going to make sure I look more righteous by making you look less righteous. Yeah. Right? What? So society crumbles at the lack of a moral standard. So where does our standard come from? I'm glad you asked. God's word. Everybody say God's word. We really do live in a confusing time. I read a statistic two weeks ago that it's reported that American, this is going to be no surprise, Americans' trust in journalistic integrity is at an all-time low. Amen? I mean, literally, like, I don't think I, don't think I know one human now, one person that can turn on the news and actually trust, doesn't matter what station, you know you're watching some facts with a lot of opinion, right? So the, this, this idea of even trusting uh, what we're hearing, and it's not just that it's the laws that are signed, it's the, it's the norms, the cultural norms. Let me give you just one, uh, I'm gonna give you three signs, but let's just start with this one. The signs of confusion, sexual identity crisis. I want you to understand, church, I've had four conversations in the last six weeks. Four in the last six weeks. Outside, with people outside this church and, and, and families in this church. You know, people are hurting. Our young people are confused. They're sold a lie all the time. How many of you guys have seen it? And what makes me so uh, burdened down and feel the weight of what the, the lies that they are sold, it's nonstop. It's nonstop. Last week, I had already started writing this message, and um, I, I turned the TV on, and we're, we're watching something in an Orbitz commercial. Like, you're literally just selling plane tickets. Why can't we just sell plane tickets? You know, but instead it was 30 seconds of pushing a same-sex sexuality, a same-sex lifestyle. All 30 seconds. How many of you just raise your hand and say, there's a problem? There's a problem, right? And there's all kinds of things we can go to. Um, and, you know, we talked about this maybe a year ago, but I want to talk about this for about just 10 minutes. It's reported in a national study by the UCLA a percentage of teens between age 13 and 17 who were polled, thousands of them, spiked from 4% to 7.5% in 2015. And that's grown by 1% each year when asked the question, which of the following best describes you? And they checked lesbian, gay, bisexual, non-binary, or transgender. 
It's grown by 1% every year. How many would say we have a confused world? We have a confused world. The prince of the air, as he's called in the Bible, Satan is, is for now allowed to tempt the hearts of man to bring confusion lies. According to John 10, we said this last week, his goal is to steal, kill, and destroy. And he will play on the emotions and the hormones of a teenager. And you need parents and, and grandparents and those listening online, I hope you hear me today. I hope you hear me, because about a year ago when I preached on this, I, I probably received more emails than ever before saying, thank you for that scripture. Thank you for that piece of advice. In fact, when we end the sermon, I'm going to give you five tips of how to respond, how to respond to your grandchild or your child uh, who, who is saying that they identify in that way. So I, I, was, I often ask parents this question, dealt with this a little bit when I was a youth pastor, and now dealing with it more and more and more as society is constantly pushing and pushing this. Why do you think, I was praying, I was saying, Lord, why? Why such an agenda? Why do you think Satan wants to stop, right, a, a, a relationship between man and woman? Well, think about this. In Genesis, he says man and woman, right? And he says, fill the earth. And he says, you're going to multiply my Image. He wants to stop the image of God being populated on the earth. Come on, it's the same motive for abor abortion. You think that's weird? Are those two things tied together? It's the same motive. Think about it. This is why I tell kids often. Satan was kicked out of heaven. Right? He's kicked out of heaven. Took a third of the angels with him. Satan's trying to get back at God. He wants to get revenge at God. How does he get revenge at God? By attacking his special creation, you. You are his special creation, his joy. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And he wants to convince you that God did something wrong. He wants to convince you that God messed, messed you up, that God somehow made you different and not given you the same promises that he gives everybody else. Why Satan always attacks the word of God. Remember in Genesis, did God say? Satan always attacks the goodness of God and the word of God. Is everybody listening? Yeah. Amen. So why? It's important that you read the word of God and that you read the word of God to your kids. We're going to talk about that a lot next week. And listen, it's also important that you speak up. And there's, um, I've just seen in the last week, which it was just really remarkable, maybe because I was writing this sermon, so it was a little more prevalent in my mind. But you've seen um, even uh, parents go to school boards and say, hey, we are not going to allow this pornography to be in our students' uh, curriculum. And we haven't seen this uh, in Ohio, but there was multiple states who've come to them and said, hey, this is, off. This is what my kids are reading. Now, you have to understand, this is not new. Uh, I was five years into youth ministry. This is 10 years ago when a student in my youth group showed me in their book what they were given for required reading for AP English. And I drove my butt straight to the principal's office that day after some prayer. Thank you, Lord. I said, Lord, I said, Lord, calm me down. Make me, help me say the truth in love. And I was very kind, but I was also very clear. And I gave the principal some statistics because the book was about these are the benefits of same-sex relationships. That was literally, that was what it was all about. 
I talked to him as a pastor about my concern. I talked to him about the statistics of what happens when kids start doing that. I talked to him about the depression and everything else that rises, and he totally listened to me. I totally heard me out, and guess what? That book was removed. And so I'm not saying that to do this. I'm saying this. I was a little bit hesitant to go down there. How many of you guys have ever been hesitant to speak up? Because it's like, well, hey, I don't want to ruffle any feathers. Hey, I don't know. And, and you know what? It's, it's time for the church to stop going, uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know. No, you do know. You do know. You have the word of God. You have truth. And if you don't want your kids to keep getting heard lies that are incredibly harmful for the rest of their life, you need to speak up. Amen? Amen. 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 All right. I want to say this, what I say every time this subject comes up, God knows what's best for you and God wants what's best for you. That's why he's given you wisdom in his word. God knows what's best for you and God wants what's best for you. You know, as a father of five, I know what's best for my kids that my six-year-old doesn't know. Right? My eight-year-old doesn't, actually, I confuse their ages all the time now. The other day, I'm like, she's eight. And then she goes, I'm nine. And then I said, she's 11. And Sailor goes, I'm 12. And I'm like, I don't know who they are, but they all live in my house. You know, I was trying, <laughs> I messed it all up. Even Eden, I'm like, she's five. She goes, I'm six. I was like, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> there's a lot of them there. But um, <laughs> what was I saying? Oh, I lost it. Um. Yeah, I totally lost it. I'm going to go back to my notes. All right. Anybody want to help me out? It must have been amazing. It must have been so. Oh, God knows. Thank you, honey. Give it up for Danielle. Come on now. I have one person listening to me. No. God knows what's best for you. So there's things where, like, you know, they want a second bowl of ice cream, a third bowl of ice cream. And I, no. Right? Because I know what's best. And God is the same way. He puts in boundaries because he loves you. And you need to communicate that to your kids. He puts in boundaries because he loves you. God's word brings truth to a confused world. Can everybody say this with me? God's word brings truth to a confused world. You know, I was thinking about even the the slogan, right? The That pride, it's called Pride Month that we're celebrating. And isn't it neat that in God's sovereignty, I didn't think of that a couple months ago when we put this in here. And I love God's sovereignty. So why is it called Pride Month or Pride in the LGBTQ plus world? Because in pride, and hear me, I'm saying this in love. In pride, we say to God that we reject your design and we define ourselves. Let me say that again. In pride, we say... We reject your design and we define ourselves. It's like the girl that wrote good girl or good gay girl, good God. She says, she's interviewed and she said, what I had to come to grips with is yes, these feelings were were real. And yes, these attractions were, were real to me, but I had to surrender those to God just like every other person has to surrender their sin to God. And she said, it took me years to understand that. We have to surrender to God. Let's read a little bit of scripture. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9. And this is in the app. Well, the app is switching over this week. But I did put the notes in this week. If you still use the Rock of Grace app in the notes section. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 15. 
Or do you know, or I'm sorry, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? All right, so let's pause for a minute because I want to make sure you hear me. All the adults, all the, all the tweens, you know, all the 30-something, 40, everybody just north of 40. Don't even raise your hand. Don't raise your hand, Paul. It's fine. All right, everybody hear me. Everybody hear me. God wants you to enter his kingdom. I don't want to read this verse and, and you think like, wow, that's no. God wants, turn to your neighbor, turn to your neighbor, say God wants you in his house. You got to know that. It's a big deal to me that we always communicate the motive of God, the love of God. By the way, God's motive is always love. Every time, every time. God's motive is always love. Look at this. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? So don't be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, drunkards, revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified by the name of Jesus, by the Spirit of God. How many of you, you used to be kind of greedy. You used to be kind of a reviler, right? You had attitude in your hearts, rebellion in your hearts, but God washed you clean. Come on, who's, who's been washed clean? And so I want to be clear that that is a word, that is a, that word homosexuality, while that's the first, you know, third of this sermon, you need to understand that it is one of many sins. All of these sins will keep you out of the kingdom of God. You've got to surrender these sins. If you say, well, no, this is, this is my money. God, you can't have it. Well, let's reread then. Do you not know that those who are greedy, those who hold on, too tight, right? But instead, if you say, God, not only is my sexuality yours, my money is yours. Everything is yours. That is the life of someone who is in the kingdom of God, period. That is the life of someone who's in the kingdom of God. And it is so much fun, by the way, I like to say this, to not be in control. Isn't that neat, right? God's in control. Say, aren't you worried if you give too much money or if you give too much control to God. No, no, no. God is in control. I'm just stewarding it. And so we have to take these things that we say, we identify ourselves. Well, I identify, if you say I identify as transsexual, I identify as non-binary, I identify as this. No, I, you don't understand, pastor, I am driven to be successful in the corporate world. I am driven, that's who I am. You don't understand how I grew up. And all of these words come back to I and identify. What you're saying then is I'm not willing to crucify, to take up my cross and follow Jesus and identify with Christ. When Colossians 1.3 tells me this, I have been hidden in Christ. My identity is no longer my own. So you might say, I identify, so I know well. I understand what you're saying. I understand you're saying, I feel this way, and I, I feel comfort in the tribe of these people. But I want to tell you something. Why we study God's word? We study God's word because it brings truth to a confused world. And you might say, well, I don't want to lay down my pride. I don't want to say I would rather be this way. Well, now you have a decision, right? Right? to admit this is my sin that I need to bring to the cross of Jesus Christ. 
In fact, at our worship night on July 6th, we're going to have a baptism. I can't wait to use that baptism. I hope like a third of y'all get baptized. I hope half of you guys. In fact, everybody just get in the tank at once. Come on, let's just jump in there. Like a Holy Ghost hot tub, just everybody just jump in. That could get awkward. I just said Holy Ghost hot tub. I need to stick to my notes. Okay. That baptism is going to be awesome on Tuesday. And some of you are going to say, you know what? I've been in church my whole life, but I've never surrendered this. I identify I'm a smoker. I am a smoker. You don't understand. My dad was a smoker. My grandma was a smoker. My grandpa was a smoker. I'm sorry, pastor. I'm a smoker. No, you're not. You used to be. Are you getting the message yet? You used to be. We have to take these things that we say, this is how I identify and say, no, I'm going to bring him to the cross because my identity is hidden in Jesus. Amen? Why do we see crime rising? In the words of Solomon, he would say, well, there's nothing new under the sun. Right? There's nothing new under the sun. I mean, crime is rising at an all-time high in, in uh, larger cities, but I don't want you to think like, well, that's over there. No. Let me say it like this. There's still a self-centeredness in all of us that we need to bring to Jesus. You know, there's a self-centeredness in all of us that you might say, well, I'm not committing a crime. I'm not, I'm not, you know, mugging someone. I'm not stealing what they have. But I am alarmed at an ever-increasing trend, even in Christianity, that is either overtly said or implied by some of our pastors and communicators. And if you're believing this idea that God just wants to make you happy and that God just wants to fulfill all your dreams, then you're not reading the Bible every day. Because when you read the Bible every day, Jesus says to follow me, take up your cross. You're gonna follow me, you wanna be my child? It's gonna hurt. He even says, some will hate you. He even says, some of you will have family that turn their back on you. We have four families in our Rock of Grace family now that have had their family turn their back on them because they say yes to Jesus. Now, some of you said, maybe you've never experienced that, but you need to understand that if your Christianity is not costing you, is not asking, if you don't feel God, saying, hey, let's crucify this part of your life. This is the way you identify. If you don't feel that, then I want to encourage you to get in the word of God. It's like the person that was over in my house on, on Friday. And he was saying, well, I, I love in your sermon, he, I was talking about churches and he just moved here. And uh, he said, you know, I want to feel challenged. He said, I know I'm in a good church when I feel a bit convicted. You know, it, it's, a, it's a problem either from here or there if you go out for two months in a row and you're like, everything's great, everything's great, <laughs> right? There's some times when God needs to speak to our heart and say, I've been believing a lie or I've been, I've been acting this way or acting rude or acting whatever. When we read the word of God, it reveals what's going on in our heart. It's truth that sets us free. The Holy Spirit should be challenging you every single day every single day. And I want to encourage you to make sure you read the word of God every single day. Every single day. You have the same time, same place. Uh, you open your Bible and you ask God to speak to you. 
And when you're doing this with your kids, you know, I want to say this too. It's not about quantity. It's about quality. It's not so you can say like, I read a chapter every day. I'm the Olympian of Bible reading. That is not the goal. The goal is quality. You might read one proverb and God say you needed that. Right? You might be fighting with your parents. And, and sometimes I see more fighting happening with parents in people who are in their late 30s and 40s. And you're facing some difficulty. You might open the Bible and say, honor your father and mother. How many know what I'm talking about? You open the Bible and the Holy Spirit's got a verse for you. Right? It should challenge us. That's a, everybody say that's a good thing. Turn your Bibles to John 17. I know some of you might be thinking, John 17, you preach from John 17 like five times a year. Yes, I know. It's my fave. It's my favorite. <clears throat> I'm not going to put all of, I'm skipping ahead a little bit, Evie, and then I'm going to go back two pages because I want to get to this John 17. Hey, can you give it up for Evie and Ryan in the tech booth making it happen? <laughs> that would have been awesome if you just started playing your own music. Yeah. Like Ryan and Kurt, you <laughs> Okay, here we go. John 17. When Jesus spoke these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Now, I want to warn you, this is a bit of a mouthful. So everybody, everybody give me your squinting focus face. Nailed it, Carrie. That was nailed. That's perfect. Just come on. Ready? Here we go. You have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to whom you have given him. This is eternal life that they know you, the only God, only true God. By the way, that's a great one for memory verse. This is eternal life that we know Jesus, right? The true God, Jesus, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory I had with you before the world existed. So let's stop again. The word of God reveals truth to us. And so I want to just real quick, Jesus was glorified in heaven, right? He's always been, he will always be, and he humbly left heaven to come save you and me. Have we got it? Right? All right, so the glory we had before the universe existed. Everybody give me your best mind-blowing meme right now. Just, right? Brandon, you nailed it. Just, here we go. I have manifested your name to the people you gave me out of the world. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. I want you to notice that word, your word. Now, they know that everything you have given is from you, for I have given them the words you gave me, and they have received them and come to know the truth. Everybody say truth. That I came from you and you, and they have believed that you sent me. How many guys have believed that God sent Jesus? Amen? And if you haven't yet believed that, I'm going to give you an opportunity for that in just a few minutes. I am not praying for the world, but for those that you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours. All yours are mine. I am glorified in them. Wow. Did you know God is glorified in you? God's glorified just, just looking at you. Just looking at you, Randy. Just looking at you. He's glorified in you. I am no longer in the world. They are in the world, and I'm coming to you, Holy Father, so keep them in your name which you have given me, that they may be one. This is why it's really powerful when we get together at Immerse or times of worship, when you have unity uh, all together. That's beautiful. 
Not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture would be fulfilled. But now I'm coming to you in these things I speak, that they may have joy. Some of you say, I don't know why I don't have joy. Well, that means you got to get more truth. Let me say that again. Some of you say, I don't have a lot of joy lately. Well, then how have you been in the word of God? Right? Get in the word of God. Get the truth. Find the beauty of Jesus Christ. Look what he says. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Do you know there's times the world will hate you because of your simple allegiance to the truth? And we see that more and more and more. And I want to lovingly warn you and encourage you, Christians, that as time approaches the coming of Christ, you might be hated even more. Some are like, well, that's not a nice positive message from my pastor today. But can I get an amen? Thank you, Nicole. Can I get an amen? Because for real, you're going to have times in coming years where that's going to speed up. Where, there, where evil is called good and good is called evil. And for you to say, well, I want to protect this child, and they'll call you evil. They'll call you bigot. They'll call you uncompassionate for that. But you've got to know the word of God and stick to it. I do not ask that you take them out of the world. Listen how many times he says this. But that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world. Come on. How many of you have been saved by Jesus? One more time. You are not of the world. You're, you're in the world. But you're, you're just hanging out. You're on a trip, okay? You're on a journey. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is the truth. I wish I could say this 10 times for you. I'll just say it a few. I don't want to annoy you, but I want to say this. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And there's so many times when someone has come into my office or called and you know, usually within that time of discussion, I'll say, you know what, let's go to Scripture. What does Scripture say about this? Have you gone to the Word? Jesus wants you to know the truth. Jesus is the revelation of truth. So what is our response? Our response is to surrender. All right, so we're going to go back um, to page 8 there, Evie, in the script there, page 8. So what does the Bible teach us all right, not just about who Jesus is, that he reveals truth, that he reveals it through his word. But what are some core things? What's the, our response? Number one, the Bible teaches that God's love is seen in Jesus. And I won't give you all the scriptures, there's so many. Number two, the Bible teaches that our response is to surrender in worship. All right, so let's recap what we did about 10 minutes ago. I surrender my right to be right. I surrender my right to lord something over my wife or my spouse. I surrender my pride, even if you say it's my LGBTQ, uh, LGBTQ plus pride, whatever it is. So I surrender that to Jesus. I surrender money I don't need. The idea of excess. If I have excess, I'm going to give it away because of what I read in the Bible. That I'm a descendant of Abraham. I'm a royal priesthood who provides for others. Come on. That was a little quieter on that one. Everybody say amen. amen. I surrender sexual pleasure. I don't need pornography. I don't need an excess of others to make me happy. I bring all of that to the cross and admit my need for a saving 
God. Amen? Number three, the Bible teaches that the Lord opens the heart to believe. The Lord opens the heart to believe. In other words, I love this. Well, Alistair Begg, he said this, speaking of, the, of uh, how someone comes to salvation. I was listening to his podcast about a month ago. I wrote this down. The Lord opens the heart to believe. In other words, you can't think your way towards God. You can't think your way. Everybody say this with me. You can't think your way towards God. Right? And if I can elaborate on that, you can't work your way towards God for you think of the works. But, but what he was saying is we don't come to this idea of I'm going to choose to be a better person. No, it's the grace of God convicting us of our sin, our need to say my feelings, my ident- however I identify, I lay that down and admit my sin. Let me give you a story from the Bible. Acts 11, I'm sorry, Acts 16, 11. This is about Lydia. I want you to listen to this verse. It's about the fifth verse down. Setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage and following that day to Neapolis and from there to Philippi, which is the leading city in Macedonia. We remained in the city some days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the gate to the riverside. We were supposed to have a place of prayer. We sat down and spoke to the woman who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. After she was baptized, her household as well, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And what we infer from this, they actually ended up gathering there a lot and a lot of them gathered there. So we can infer she she was wealthy and had a big enough house to have them there. They talked about her being an entrepreneur and God blessing her. But look at this, the Lord opened her heart. How many of you guys remember that verse? No man comes to the Father except the Spirit draws him. This is why, I want to connect this. This is why it's important that you pray. That you pray. You have someone who's confused. You have someone who is confused about their sexual identity or just confused. And they're hurting. And they're trying to uh, maybe always impress you with their position or the money they have or some sort of tangible thing right? Then, and you see that, you see that over and over, you have an opportunity to pray for them and ask God to speak to them. Ask God to speak to them. Amen? It's such a beautiful thing. Here we go. Number four, the Bible teaches, you guys doing okay? It's like a mini Bible college this morning. Everybody say, I'm okay. I know, I talk fast. Here we go. The Bible teaches us that once saved, we work with God to redeem mankind. Isn't that so cool? Right? So it's like we're little Christ that Scripture indicates. Christ lives in us by the Spirit's power. Paul says we are ambassadors. All right? Number five, you can't think your way towards God. Similar to point two, inward renewal is important. Everybody hold your heart like this, right? Inward renewal. It's God making you born again. Number six, being like Christ is not about listening to what a pastor says. Now, you might say, well, that's a, you're a pastor. That's an odd thing to say. Do you know why I say that? Because even though I study really hard, even though I take a couple days to prepare my sermons for you, there are times when I might get it wrong. There, there, there might be a time 20 years from now where I lose my mind. I hope that never happens. But Right? Thank you for that. Always on time. The chief goal of man 
is to become like Jesus and to worship him, right? And so you can never, what am I saying? You can never exchange, I hope, I hope you hear this. You can never exchange a sermon for your time with God. Can I say that again? Don't just binge out on sermons. Your time with God. I want to close with an illustration. If everybody could stand up to your feet. I want to, we're going to play a song here in just a moment. In fact, you can start it real softly. I have a compass on my uh, desk upstairs that I got at a garage sale because my wife's a garage sale fanatic. And, uh, and uh, it's this really cool nautical compass. It's like cherry and brass. And I find it so interesting. I remember one day I was looking at it in my office and I was sitting there. I'd lean back and I was praying and I was thinking and the compass caught my eye. That's like the word of God. Okay, if you say, I'm going to go true north. Well, here's the thing. If you're on a journey, and let's say you're going to go 5,000 miles, right? Let's say you're going to go 5,000 miles. If you say, well, to get there, it looks like I've got to go true north. So you start walking, right? This is before cars and Uber. Come on. You're just walking. Well, if you don't look at that compass for a week, a month, you're going to end up way off course and wasting a lot of time, and you might end up in some hurt. Come on, I'm trying to help you this morning. The compass is the Word of God. You come back to it every morning, and the Holy Spirit might say, hey, you know, you were a little off yesterday. Hey, you were a little five degrees northwest. And I'm not even going to point because my sense of direction is horrific if you know me. Like, I'll be like... Anybody got a bad sense of direction? I can tell you what I'm going to be doing in 10 years from now, but I, I can't tell you where north is. I still think it's that way, but I'm told it's that way. Is it that way, Jim? Thank you. Appreciate that. That compass, that compass, listen, if you don't look at it and you just go for a month, and then suddenly you look at it and you're like, what happened? I hope you're hearing me this morning because a lot of people, they go for months and they go for years and then they knock on a pastor's office and they say, what happened? Look at the compass. Look at the truth. What is the word of God telling you? And if you'll go to that every day, the Holy Spirit might say, hey, you're just a, you're just a couple degrees off. You're pretty rude to your employer yesterday. And that employer, he's paying you every week. Say, oh, you know what? I need to, I need to go apologize to my employer. You might open the word, and, and there's a verse in there. You read in 1 Corinthians 13, right? And suddenly the Holy Spirit says, you were listing a list of wrongs to your wife yesterday. Why don't you go apologize? And boom, that needle goes back. Amen? I want you to bow your heads this morning. I'm going to ask you, if you've never received Jesus and you've heard me say today, the Bible tells you the story of Jesus, that he left his throne in heaven to die for your sins. 
We've had people coming to Jesus a lot in the last few months. And I want to tell you, you can be added to the family of God today. You can join the family of God. You don't have to stand on the outside wondering, if I'm not good enough, I'll never be included. No, none of us in this room, friend, are good enough. We simply said yes to the grace of God. So if you want to say yes to the grace of God and ask him to forgive you of your sins, would you raise your hand right now? If you want to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior and choose to follow him, can you raise your hand? I want to pray with you. Amen. I'm believing. Amen. I see that person. Thank you. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We're all going to pray this with, with a young lady in the church today. We're all going to pray this prayer of salvation. Can we do this all together? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son. You love me that much that you looked past my sin and you saw my potential to be your child, to sit at your table and to be called by your name. I lay down my pride, my sin, my arrogance, every mistake. Wash it away. Wash it away with the blood that you shed on the cross. Jesus, be my brother. Heavenly Father, be my father. I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? We have a new family member. Come on. In the family of God. I just want to leave you with this. I know I, I, know I pre preached a lot of content today, probably too much, but I really hope that you just take the word of God and really value it. Really value it. If it's getting dusty, listen, this is the week that changes. You dust it off and you say, God, I'm going to commit to knowing you. You'll be glad you did. Amen? All right, have a great week.